Welcome to the latest instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. I'm joined by a panel of very experienced tech leaders to discuss an intriguing topic. The title we've gone for today is Integrating Platform Strategy. But before we delve deeper into this topic, let's work our way around the room with some general introductions for each one of the guys. So in no particular order, Jimmy, you'd like to kick us off on this one. Thank you, Connor. Um, I'm happy to be here. Uh, my name is Jimmy. I'm a principal software engineer at TV2 Denmark. Um, which means I, I work uh, between different teams, so, uh, helping solve different problems and, and also sometimes pave the road for, for teams to actually do their work. Right now, I am working closely with, um, with our internal platform uh, team and also our DevX team. Um, in my in my spare time, I like to to be a bit active. Though I usually work usually comes in in and and uh, it's, it's sometimes difficult for me to actually find the time. Else, I'm very much uh, enjoying spending time uh, making uh, nice food and and also sometimes gardening. I just bought a, a summer house, so I have plenty of of, uh, of room to actually do that. It helps me relax and and uh, relax my mind and think about things in a different perspective. That can often be the case where work can get in the way. Just out of curiosity, what's the activities when you like to uh, get yourself active? Well, I like to mountain bike. Uh, I also used to like to run. It's it's too long time ago since I actually did a, a long a long stretch of running. Um, else I'm just enjoying making food. It's it's uh, I, I usually do all the different uh, dinners and and stuff like uh, like that at home. Uh, my wife usually says that she she's basically eating out of the fridge when I'm not at home. So, <laughs> so yeah. Perfect. Well, thanks for the introduction, Jimmy. And secondly, Vakas, if you'd like to give us a quick introduction to yourself, man. Yeah, thank you. Uh, my name is Vakas Ali, and uh, I work as a lead engineer in the Lego Group, um, where I'm responsible for the delivery of uh, our developer platform. Uh, we are um, a team who is helping the engineers in the Lego Group uh, providing self-service capabilities onto our platform. And... Um, Outside my normal work, I spend time with my family, and I also happen to do some gardening. I like to do gardening work, just like Jimmy. Um, and other than that, I am spending some time or hour, hour and a half in the gym every day. I like to go to the gym, spend time over there, and uh, that's my thing, outside work. Okay, thank you very much, Vakas. You mentioned the family. Any notable shout-outs? I have uh, two boys, uh, so always uh, fighting with each other <laughs> and uh, playing games. So I also play games. They are, they're also playing games. So we all play sometimes Fortnite or uh, some games of Roblox together. So it's uh, yeah a lot of uh, time spent in front of the screens, which my wife hates. But uh, that's what it is. <laughs> this has always been a curiosity of mine. Being over at Lego, if you can't answer the question... Just tell me to move on, but do you get discounted prices on some of the... Uh... Oh my God, yes. <laughs> yes, a lot of discount and a lot of Lego. I'm, so I'm surrounded here by Lego. It's <laughs> everywhere. It's Legos everywhere. And my wife hates it because we don't have space to put Legos anymore. And uh, yeah, they're everywhere. Well, very jealous on that front. And thanks for the introduction, Vakas. Last but not least, Nikolai, if you'd like to give us a quick intro. Yeah, well, uh, thanks for having me. Hi, guys. Uh, my name is Nikolai Anderson. Uh, I'm the director of platform and integrations at a Danish uh, company called Cookie Information. Uh, we provide, uh, amongst other things, uh, the this, the pop-up that everybody hates on the websites where you have to accept or reject cookies. But, uh, but we make sure that uh, the users... Uh, Consents are, are kept uh, on a privacy high level, uh, so so I can say uh, vendors out there won't spam you too much with uh, with advertisement that you actually haven't asked for. So um, it's interesting. Um, we are a growing company, uh, growing a lot. Uh, we have a lot of new products. And more to come. We've been involved in several acquisitions, so it's very interesting, uh, especially from a integration and platforms uh, perspective these days. Um, outside of work, yeah, 
I wish I had more time, as all of you also said. Um, but uh, when I have time, uh, I spend it at home with my kids, uh, almost grown-up boys. I'm glad they don't fight that much uh, anymore because that would be quite serious. Um, and um, and my wife and my dog. And when I get time to it, I, I like to go hunting or fly fishing. Uh, just get out into nature and uh, relax, get some fresh air, you know, be a little bit tough on yourself and, uh, and feel the old body hurt when you get home. So... Yeah, some interesting stuff there, mate. Fly fishing, and if I'm not mistaken, I remember last time I came over to Copenhagen. Big rock fan as well, or have I, um, have I yeah, got that yeah. wrong? Yeah, music is a huge part of my, uh, me and my wife's life. Uh, we have, I think, around 7,000, 8,000 vinyl albums, and uh, keeps growing on us, and uh, it's uh, also a matter of uh, space, like uh, Vakas, it's uh, it's not Lego, it's actually music, So, but that's how it goes. I think I'm going to have to start collecting something after this podcast. Hopefully I'll get to know a little bit about integrating platform first, but yeah, I think we've got some collectors amongst us. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. So, just referring back to that, I know that we've got the, the title as an overarching theme that's integrating platform strategy, but one thing I'd like to do is just lay the foundation to this episode, just to gain a base understanding so that it'll enable us to go in and delve deeper into some questions that are much more tailored to the technical side. So, first and foremost, for those, who, those listeners who may not know, what exactly is platform strategy and why is it so important in today's business landscape? I mean, that's open to the floor if anyone would like to take it away and we could probably discuss a couple of ideas of what it means to each, each one of you. Yeah, so so what I what I think is that like, at the platform is, is a very overloaded term and it, it basically means something different to different companies. Um, in, in, to me, a, a platform... Um, means uh, for example an internal developer platform um so so a common platform that's that's there to to alleviate uh teams um so so to to summarize it's it's uh to me it's it's a um a way to centralize uh, critical infrastructure so and common infrastructure that's that's used by a wide variety of, of different engineering teams i I, I totally agree with you, Jimmy. For me, it also is like internal developer platform where you are providing like a combined uh, value towards the company and you are providing an ecosystem where, in my case, engineers can come and contribute and we are we we build something together by engineers for engineers. Uh, it's actually funny because I... I, um, I completely understand and agree to what you guys are saying but i also see the in my role from a completely different uh, point of view right because i see um i see a platform from a product perspective so to speak more orientated uh, to other businesses or to to an end user uh, as part of uh, combining one or several products into a usable uh, interface, so to speak, towards uh, the users, whether they would be an internal team that needs to have something uh, to build their development and uh, their products on top, or if it's uh, presenting to a wider group outside of the organization, right? 
Yeah, yeah, I agree, and 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 I actually see some commonalities of 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 your understanding, Nikolai, and what what uh, what Cash and I are talking about because it's very beneficial for an internal developer platform uh, to think of that as a product that you need to go and sell. But your customers yeah. are other engineering teams, so so you you need to be to be sure that you're solving the right problems for those customers. Um, so listening to them just like you would if it was if it was an, an external product that you were selling to external customers, uh, it's important to listen to those pains uh, so you have a direction of what you're building. I agree. Yeah. yeah. And in this case, you are also your own customers because yeah. the, what, what others are facing, the issues or pain points others have, you also have those. So you share some of the things that, are, that other people are facing. So... In this case, yeah, you're you're building something for yourself as well. But but what I spend a lot of time thinking about is what is the right approach to uh, to build, or what is the next big thing to build? Well, which thing is going to solve the most amount of pain that our users are having? So how do you figure that that out? I would say yeah. exactly, and that, that as I see it, that would be exactly the same. Uh, for building an internal uh, product slash platform, whatever, as it would be to do an external one. It all comes down to basically money, right? Because you want to build a good, solid internal developer platform to make sure that the developers get the best um, the best possibilities of doing what they do best. Um, and uh, in other cases... I want to make sure that we're building products uh, that are combined in a solution that makes the most value to our end customers outside of our organization. And basically, those are the ones that actually pay my paycheck, right? And yeah. and our developers and everybody in our, our organization. So it's the same situation that we are, we're facing. It's um, our customer groups are kind of a little bit different, but still not that far apart as I see it. And I like yeah. the, the the part that uh, Vakas said about uh, eating your own dog food, right? Yeah. Um, the whole is, if you build something, you should be using it yourself. Yeah. And that actually also goes for, for, for external facing products like our products. Of course, we're use, utilizing our own products in our organization because if we did not, we wouldn't know our way around it, right? And a lot of time we actually figure out what beneficial uh, upgrades or actually non-used features, which is a, a common thing also, there is in, in our own platform, right? Before even our end customers do. Yeah, and, and just like you are, you're making decisions on behalf of your customers for an external product, um, and you're also setting up policies. For example, in your case, uh, Nikolai can imagine that that you have policies set up to to secure uh, and and segregate uh, your customers' data. For example, yeah. um, just as well with an internal uh, platform, you're making decisions on behalf of your customers. You need to, of course, make the right decisions for them, um, and that can sometimes be difficult to 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 find. But you are being opinionated, so. So your customers don't have to to uh, to um, have their own opinions and make decisions within that space, but you're also setting up policies. We call them we usually call them guardrails. So kind of making it difficult to do the wrong thing, um, and that can be both incentivized by by uh, the platform team or the team that's building the platform itself, but it could also be the company. So the company might have some policies or regulations of who has access to what, uh, things like lease privileges, uh, that services within a platform um, are, are restricted to only being able to communicate with a certain other uh, number of services. So there's a lot of uh, commonalities there, I see as well. Sure. Yeah, I think just to summarize that, the, the purpose of, regardless of how the, or which way the platform is facing, be that internally or externally, it sounds like you're just trying to solve a problem and feedback's just coming from different places, be that internally or from the end client. So I think there's certainly ways in which the, the platform strategy can be, as you say, there's plenty of commonalities between all the organizations here. But Vakas, I know you had a question that you'd like to pose to the other members on the panel, if you'd like to do that. Yeah. 
Oh, but what I would like to ask you guys is how do you drive adoption across your organization or if it, in case it's, it's something external? So how do you drive adoption for your platform? Uh, it's a big question, right? Um, adoption in my case is, um, is quite broad, right? Because I need adoption internally in our organization. That means that I need to make sure when we provide, um, it, it all comes back to the beginning, right? We need to figure out what to do and what to combine and how to present it. Um, and of course, it needs to make a lot of sense and create a lot of value for, for the users, our customers, and uh, internally, right? So in that case, we, we need to look at uh, all the different stakeholders in this. Uh, so at, uh, adoption internally, that would require us to know. And actually, I have to sell my platform strategy internally before I can even go externally with it, right? I need to make sure that our sales teams know exactly what this is about, why we're doing it, why we're moving this direction. I need to make sure it's aligned with our marketing teams. I need to know and uh, make sure that, of course, our customer success guys know end-to-end -end about this. And, of course, the whole product development department and all the engineers actually know what they're doing and why we're going this direction, right? So, but when that is said, that is actually sometimes part of the, <laughs> of the more difficult platform adoption uh, of the strategy. Because when we aligned internally, and we need to do this through communication feedback loops from our end users, um, when we aligned about this, then we should we sit together and provide this strategy that is the external strategy. So I create the the primary internal strategy, and the our the rest of our organization help me and our department actually build that strategy to hit the wider world, our customers, right? So um, yeah. It's difficult to, to say what what's a successful way of doing it, but I would say it's um, we we need to make sure that this is based on feedback and a lot of feedback from end users, and also in my case, our case particularly, there's a lot of legislations and uh, that we actually have to consider in this case. Uh, EU comes with uh, changes all <laughs> all the time. Now we have the Digital Markets Act that actually um, they pointed out a couple of gatekeepers that needed to change their strategy uh, a couple of weeks ago. We haven't really figured out whether it's going to hit us. Oh, mm. I think it's going to hit us, but how? Um, and and so there's a lot of different moving parts uh, in this. Um, but it's also easy for me because a lot of this is law stuff. So we can say if we provide platform and services that actually live up to what is required by companies, it should be an easy peasy uh, sell, right? It should be easy for them to understand I need to do this uh, because otherwise the government will find me. Um, and it would be easy if we were the only company in the world doing this, but we're not. Yeah. We have a lot of competitors. <laughs> yeah. Right. How do you see it internally, Jimmy? Yeah. So, so when we talk about about adoption, I think it, a lot of what you're saying, Nikolai, can be translated to, to internal to a, to a company. Um, I think one of the first things you need to fight, figure out is is the maturity level of, of your company, and maturity level might might vary uh, from from department to department, or even by uh, between teams. Um, and the different uh, different things you should be looking for, I think. Um, so some levels of maturity will be around uh, automation. So um, are you in are you in a place where you have a lot of automation and is your automation fragmented or, or centralized? Um, so that's, that's one of the things I think is, is worth considering. Um, and, and just like you, you described, Nikolai, uh, listen to your customers. 
listen to what pains they have uh, and they will vary as well depending on where you ask in the company um, and getting early adopters i think is is crucial so so getting some early adopters and and, and forming alliances with for example senior engineers and, and managers um, because let's be honest, sometimes you need authority to actually actually drive adoption. It's not enough to be in. It's potentially not enough to be an attractive product, uh, because you're also fighting against priorities. Every team have their own priorities, yeah. and when you when you're coming with a platform, you're essentially asking a team to migrate, or you will mi- do some of the migration for them. But nobody likes a migration. Migrations are usually something that just needs to be over with. Um, so, so making that transition as easy as possible, um, get as many adopters as, as, as you can, but there will probably be around 80, 20%. So 80% might be adopting and 20% might never consider it. So that is where I think some of the, 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 uh, the managers, uh, alliance with managers will help you because it's, it, it's, I truly believe that it's beneficial for a company to have a centralized uh, platform that, that most teams work out of. So the, the last few teams might lead the last push from, and, and that's where, uh, managers come, comes in. Um, I think, I think also showing empathy is, is really important. Um, because Different teams are at, at different maturity levels. Um, they, they, and they will have different interests in, and in actually onboarding or adopting a platform. Um, because you, if we think about why we are creating platforms or, or internal developer platforms as companies, it's probably because we had some pain. Um, we are probably at a place where, where building infrastructure is fragmented, might even be up to each team to, 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 to build and govern and 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 run their own cloud infrastructure for example and we've usually found out uh, in the long run um uh, as companies that that's not the best way at least for when we are talking about product teams to get innovation that they are spending 20 40 50% of their time building cloud infrastructure so it probably comes from a pain a company has discovered that they want to create an internal developer platform but that also means that we actually have some some really talented engineers sitting in platform teams, for example, that their day-to-day job have been for for some time to actually build infrastructure. And now you're coming and, and you're trying to actually persuade them to give up some of their choices, to give up some of their control and, and even some of their work. Um, and that can sometimes be, be a hard sell. So empathy is, is really important, I think. And the last thing I want to say is, is, is it's, I also think it's, it's really important to be transparent. So, so be transparent about what problems you're solving for teams, uh, what problems you are not solving for teams and, and in general, be, be very, uh, communicative. So, so talk about your short term and long term plans and, and don't be afraid to, to, uh, to send out uh, design documents or, or, or whatever you do in your company, because some engineers, some of those engineers that, that are building infrastructure might actually have some thoughts on how you plan to build things. So, so don't be, be afraid to, to share that insights as well. Um, and the last thing is, is make some noise. Uh, so communicate often, uh, uh, be very loud about all your successes. Yeah. So when somebody's onboarded, be be really really happy about that and brag about it, and have the adopters brag about how great it is to use your platform. So to get that uh, that leverage as well, that's very important. Make some really insightful perspectives there. I think make some noise from communication, and I think many things there that would increase adoption. I think forming alliances with management was a really key point as well. Vakas, I know you posed this question, and the last thing I want to do is not give you the opportunity to address it. So, what's your approach and perspective on this one? Yeah, thank you. So I agree with a lot of things uh, Jimmy uh, just said, and what I also like uh, what Jimmy said is having empathy for the for the adopters and um, also uh, making some noise. Uh, that's what we are also trying to do, and we are we are helping uh, teams to get onto the platform as well, um, creating documents, providing some documentation on how to be on the platform, and also be. We are um, going one step ahead and just providing uh, like a hand, like hackathon style. We we sit with them, we develop something with them so they can be onboarded. 
uh, onto the platform. And then we have we have seen that this really helps uh, if the especially if the team does not have the right uh, kind of uh, people who can who understand that technology. They might have other kind of engineers who are like more, more inter- infrastructure engineers and they don't know how to work with front end, for example, or back end. Uh, we provide resources so that we can uh, help them uh, get onto our platform. And this really has shown uh, 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 a lot of benefits uh, and it makes it easier for other teams to to make this transition because of, uh, as Jimmy said, it's uh, sometimes, uh, it's it's not always hard. So you have to get alliances, your alliances straight. And that's what we are trying to do is to alliance, uh, making alliances with the product teams uh, across the Lego group and 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 helping them sometimes. Sometimes you will find all the uh, people in the team who can do everything themselves. So they will just look at the documentation and get onboarding themselves. But if it's if that's not the case, then we are we try to just help people and bring them on towards the platform. And that helps uh, that uh, towards uh, have your a, a bigger adoption towards your platform. Yeah, definitely. So just to the guys who perhaps a lot of the focus and the, the majority of the work that they do is more internal facing on the platform side. You mentioned they're communicating with, mentioned a few different people in the organization, management, products teams, engineers themselves to understand the challenges. One of my questions would be, who's the most important? So um, for us engineers, so if you're an engineer, uh, we would like to reach out to you to tell you what's going on, uh get your feedback and uh, also in some cases product managers as well um and digital designers as well but mainly it's the engineers because we're trying to remove this cognitive load on that our engineers face yeah i i agree um so i think of, of it, it they are equally important but i think they are important in different contexts so so when when we're looking at adopters and and doing the technical implementation or the, the technical migration uh engineers are most most important uh and and when we are talking about forming alliances uh i think especially senior engineers or at least uh, engineers that have worked with infrastructure before in product teams are really important so when when it when it comes to priority so prioritizing actually adopting a platform I think product people are really important because else you risk that product teams never get the time to actually do the migration. And I'm a firm believer in in you in as a platform team, you should be doing as much of the integration for the team because they have other uh, priorities. Yeah. But it's it's usually not the case that you can do all of it. So getting getting um, uh, or making alliances even with product people is important as well. And and as I talked about before, uh, managers are really really good to have on board if uh, if if you are struggling with, with actually getting adoption from teams. Yeah. So so but, uh, I actually completely agree. Uh, I just want to take uh, a little bit of a spin or maybe a conclusion. So what you guys are saying is the same as I was saying, basically, is that it's actually the end users who are the most important people to actually communicate with, right? Because if you're building a development <laughs> platform, you're building it for the developers, right? And and for these guys who are actually building products. And it's the same for us, right? We're building this for our end, end users, our customers. And um, where you say it's important for you to have managers and uh, tech leads and senior devs involved, I could actually almost mirror that and say that's also why it's so important for us to work with the outside partners agencies uh, that actually uses our tool to help end customers, right? So it's the same situation, whether it's internal building or external, as I see it. Yeah, I think a, a nice summary there of how it all ties together. And I think we've we've discussed some of the perhaps optimistic ways in which you can increase the adoption of a platform strategy through partnerships and alliances with management, through getting the engineers on board, listening to the feedback and then adopting on the back of that. But Jimmy, I know that you had a question that perhaps looks at the other side when these things don't go to plan. 
and the flip side of the coin. So I'd love to hear that question posed to the group. Yeah, so so my question is, how do you know when you've failed at implementing a, a platform strategy? And let's maybe start with you, Wakas. Uh, so there's a short answer and a long answer. I would uh, start with a short answer. If if nobody's using your platform <laughs> for a long time, then I would say you failed. Um, or uh, maybe there is a learning in that as well. Um, but it, it comes back to the, the the question that I asked before adoption, which is we are you should continuously to to monitor your adoption for your platform because that's that's the thing which is telling you that you're doing the right job because if more people are using your platform, that means you're doing the right thing. So um, the short answer is if you don't have your good adoption of your platform, then you have to change. Uh, the way you work or maybe looking more into the feedback or reach out to maybe you're not reaching out to your customers enough so people are not adopting your platform i completely agree actually and that it's i i think i've said that many times today that i agree with what you guys are saying but i do um it's it's a little bit easier for us who's uh, selling external products because uh we will monitor whether people use our platform and products or not, right? Because if they don't, we don't make any money. So um, so that's actually quite easy, and that's something that's being kept a very close eye on. But uh, the problems could be, it's not necessarily the platform, but it's more uh, on, the, on the strategy part, right? Which could also be, the situation for you guys internally, that the platform is good, it's perfect, but you haven't had the right strategy of uh, introducing it, uh, rolling it out, uh, maybe starting with the wrong customer segment first, where you should have gone with somebody else. Uh, there's a lot of stuff to be learned um, when you actually introduce something new or upgrade existing. And that is actually uh, why this is a, it's always a never ending situation that we are in, right? Because you're never at a, at a point where you say, oh, now it's good. We're just going to leave it here for the next five years and nobody's going to touch it, right? Because uh, in our world, everything you do is basically outdated uh, in a couple of weeks. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, so, so that's um, why it's interesting. And that's also uh, one of the benefits for us because we can, you have to, uh, the strategy of uh, a platform and getting a product out is actually, it needs to be an iterative process that you reevaluate often. You get, you have to get a lot of feedback from our, your current users the ones that actually don't want to use your products uh, to figure out where to go next, what to change, what to optimize, uh, what to remove. Um, because um, it, we don't know best, right? Even though we think we are really smart, everybody, um, we are not as smart as our users, right? Because they know what they want uh, and we might not have built that. We might have built some of it. So that's the whole iterative process of getting to know them better, getting also helping them understand why did we do it this way. So, um, yeah, you will know when you failed because people won't use it. All of the feedback that you get will be uh, maybe not as positive as you wanted it to be. And just from your perspective there, when gathering this feedback, of course, it's from an end client's perspective on yours, but I wonder if there's transfer, transferable elements to that as well, Nikolai. So when you're gaining this feedback, looking for areas in which you can improve a platform, what's the method in which you adopt? So uh, informal questionnaires, conversations with the end users. How do you go about collecting that data? I'm wondering uh, when these guys do it internally, whether it's the same procedure. I do it in, uh, we do it in, is in uh, as many ways as possible, right? Um, we get a lot of feedback, of course, from our sales teams that say, I can't solve this because it's not blue. Ah, you know, but you know what I mean, right? Um, 
you need to actually listen to 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 a lot of people and you also need to analyze data right why is this that was meant specifically for the danish community working so well in norway and finland right and it doesn't sell at all in germany and france you have to go in. You have to. We have a lot of data. You guys have a lot of data internally. We have a lot of data from our external uh, users. You have to look at the data because that tells one side of the story. It doesn't tell the whole story. Then you have to figure out. Um, I do uh, customer interviews, right? I read. Uh, we do surveys. We do a lot of this uh, standard stuff, right? But I like also to to reach out and talk to our partners. Why is this a hard sell towards towards their customers? Why is this a really easy sell towards their customers, right? So, um, because you you ha we have to look outside of our own world and see how's everybody else behaving and why is that. Right. And and you can't just do it through one channel. You have to do everything, right? I imagine that uh, Bakas and Jimmy need to walk the floor once in a while, right? Friday oh, bar yeah. is also a good place to, to actually get feedback in an informal, informal way, right? Where people stand with the beer or soda in their hands and say, by the way, I really like the feature that you just launched. Or somebody else comes and say, oh, that is just making my life so much harder right so use the channels that you can i would say i love that you mentioned that i i love those kind of conversations whenever i get a chance i would walk the floor and talk to someone face to face i love it completely agree and jimmy i know it was your question i think vakas touched on a couple of areas earlier on as well so i'm intrigued to hear to hear your perspective on this one yeah i like the the cross-cutting similarities and 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 of course, I was aware of it, but I've never given it that much thought that there are so many similarities between an internal and an external product. Uh, but because essentially we are trying to sell something. Um, but I do agree that, that measuring is, is part of, of, of your success. So you should definitely measure adoption, but also usage. Uh, figure out are, are customers actually using your product or your platform the way you intended, or did you build the wrong thing? So it's it's a bit of a question is are customers holding it wrong because they don't know how it works or did you build the wrong thing so you can actually it, I think you can learn quite a lot of things by measuring uh, both adoption and usage um I also think you should set goals for for your platform and and measure those as well so set up uh, something you can measure for example some KPIs um that that pushes your platform to the next level keeping you keeping you in front of your competition for an internal product your competition is usually a product team for example for example feeling the urge to build their own platform or build their own things that's your competition so you want to get ahead of that so in order to do that you need to keep talking to your customer keep learning from the customer they might have invented a new pain that you should be solving for them. Um, and you cannot learn that uh, with, without talking to customers and learning um, what their pains are. Um, even there, I think, because we are internal, we, we might have some, some more leverage of actually measuring uh, these things uh, then uh, compared to what you what you uh, are able to when it's an external for example, measuring uh, how teams are using infrastructure in general. So, so for example, measuring when a new database pops up or a, a new message queues pops up or whatever it might be, something that is outside of your radar, but can't be inside of your radar if you're start, starting to measure these things. So whenever a team feels they need to build something because it's not supported or because they don't understand the platform, that's, that's one of the ways I think you, you are, you might not have completely but you're on the road to failing if you see teams wanting to use or to, to build them to build things themselves or, or even they they might be be using some other product or platform um somewhere so that's that's the sign for me at least that you are failing as a as a as an internal product team uh, platform team yeah. i love this sentence that you said inventing pain <laughs> I think uh, we we recognize this uh, sentence uh, now that you've said it out loud. 
but I can recognize this uh, happening again and again um, through our product's lifetime. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I just have to say one thing, just as a uh, just for fun. Uh, we are saying measuring adaption and usage. I would say usage is not always a positive thing to measure, right? Um, we we recently launched a new product, uh, which is a whistleblower solution. And basically, we don't, and our customers don't like usage of that, right? They would like it being used for the right thing if needed. But if it's kept quiet in, in the back, that actually tells everybody that our customers are successful in what they're doing. So usage is, high usage is not always a good measure point. I just had to say it just for fun. Yeah, that's a valid point. So I think we've addressed multiple things there in terms of integrating platform strategy. But I know, Nicola, you had a question as well that you wanted to post to the group. Yeah, it's because we're talking a lot about platforms and uh, very unified, uniform platforms, right? So so uh, I just wanted to, to ask you guys, um, what's your opinion and how do you see uh, the one platform to rule them all versus uh, integrated uh, solutions, uh, decoupled solutions, right? Um how do you see the market is going? I know that we have today, we have uh, suddenly headless uh, for, for CMSs is coming back big time. And uh, it was bad. It was headless like 25 years ago, everything. And now it's the new black again, right? Um, and so so how do you see this? Is uh, What's the benefits of having a big platform versus having integrated solutions? And is there uh, situations where you would actually go with the integrated systems instead of uh, the, the one platform uh, approach, so to speak? Maybe you can go first, Jimmy? Yeah. Um, so when I think of a platform, I or, I think this, this, this might be applying to both internal and external uh, platforms or products. Whether whether your platform, if you think about your platform, whether you think about it as as a as a system of integrated systems or not, um, I think under if if you dig uh, deep enough under the hood, it will be integrated systems nonetheless. So, I think when we talk about platform, it's it we're talking more about the product we are selling. So that's kind of the neatly wrapped platform. But if you unwrap that platform, you will see a lot of different moving parts underneath. Um, I think the, the CNCF uh, landscape is, is, is good testament to that, where they have hundreds or thousands of, of ser uh, services. And it's likely that your platform is made up of uh, at least a dozen of those services. So, and that's the same when you are a company and you're selling a platform as an external product. You will again wrap that neatly uh, to make it easier for customers to understand uh, the, the, the system you're selling and the problem it's solving. But under the hood, you you would most likely gonna have a lot of integrated integrated systems solving different piece, pieces of the problem. Yeah, and um, to me, one platform or uh, a platform is more like a single solution thing, uh, which is most of the time it's easy to implement. It's cost efficient compared to integrated systems. And I also understand why you have asked this question, Nikolai, because uh, when you say integrated systems, in your case, I think there's a lot of compliance and regulation stuff going on. And in those cases, uh, having something that is... Uh, uh, these integrated systems can really help because they help to ensure this data flow or things like security measures meet compliance standards across all aspects of your business. You know, so in in that case, integrated systems uh, make sense. Um, but when it comes to cost and uh, quick implementation, I think this one platform strategy is is has a lot of benefits. Uh, on the other hand. In your case, I would say uh, when you're facing, you have a product which is external facing and 
um, it would be more make more sense to have these integrated systems like CRM or ERP systems or some marketing automation systems. Um, but they also uh, have some, I mean, for, for some people, they would call it drawbacks. I would call them uh, uh, like not benefits, but the, the, the cost is also there understanding. So if you have a lot of integrated systems that the user has to go through, that's a lot of cognitive load also. You have to remember that, that the user, it's the user who has to go through all of this pain compared to if this is one platform, then you are providing one user interface to do most of the stuff. So it's just like having multiple tabs open to do different jobs or one tab, which provides most of the functionality of your users. Yeah, I agree. I can put a couple of words on why I wrote this. Um, so the thing is, I, I agree to what you're saying, um, but I also see it as, uh, let's take the Salesforce example, right? Salesforce itself is a very small system, right? Why is Salesforce popular? Why is Salesforce the big success it is, or at least was? Because so many companies around the globe integrated their solutions to Salesforce. It's not a one-platform situation. It's a, a situation where you actually have multiple integrated systems uh, under one hood. That's why I'm... I'm challenging the the one platform thing. Um, also, we have multiple products in our um, product suites, and we have this ongoing dialogue. Do we want to make one platform to showcase them all, or do we actually want to do one marketplace to showcase them all? Right. So you can so you can actually add on if you need this, if you need that solution, you can just add it on by buying it on the side. Right. That would be the same for you guys working on internal platforms. You might actually over-engineer your development platform for some teams that you actually might have features and stuff in there that they will never touch because it's out of their normal scope to, to work with these things. Should they have it in their platform? Not necessarily, right? Should they have the possibility of adding it if they need it? I would say so. So that's why I'm challenging the the whole one platform uh, approach. Or I'm not saying it's wrong because I'm a big fan of it. But I'm also a big fan of actually allowing the users to choose which components, so to speak, would be part of their workspace. Yeah, I I agree, and I I see where you're coming from, and 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 I think I see at least. At least two perspectives of it. So, so when you are selling an external product, um, it might be part of your your product strategy and and also a strategy to to generate revenue, right? So, so selling a part or some components of your product because that fulfills the needs of some customers might be enough. While a small customer buying the entire suite might be too expensive. So it's also about revenue. So when we talk about internal platforms, we also talk a bit about uh, revenues, but our revenue is, is more likely cognitive load of the users that are using our systems. So it, you're right. Uh, it, it, it might not be desirable for, for a platform to actually push the entire platform upon a, a, a product team. It might be enough to just push one part of it on, or not, I'm saying push, but sell one part of the it to a, to a, a, a product team in order to to not overload them with with possibilities and 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 therefore also uh, more complexity for them to to actually deal with. So so I do see the the common uh, commonalities between. Yeah, and one other thing I I just need to uh, mention in this case is, yeah, this is. Not as much uh, the case of the company that I'm in now, but uh, from a former company I worked at, where actually a lot of the functionalities could easily, and the daily usage of it could easily be pushed to, let's, for instance, CMS platforms by doing uh, a plugin or an integrated solution that they could download and add on top of their existing other platform, right? 
instead of them, because as Vaka said, nobody wants to sit and, and shift windows all the time, right? We need to be present where the user wants to work, or at least where they do most of their work. So, so that's the whole thing. That's also why I'm talking about actually this decoupling of it, uh, doing integrated solutions instead and, and so forth. Uh, but I understand it, it is different when you do an internal tooling and an internal platform setup like you guys do, because you, you are not only, you're not you're not only selling functionality to your internal teams, you're also like setting the policy of this is the direction we in our company has decided to go. This is how we want you to work, right? Yeah. So you're providing them the framework for doing so. I can't really do that uh, externally to the same extent as you can do, because I can say, we would suggest that you do this, <laughs> right? But it's up to you completely, right? And I need to uh, find the best, not only market fit, not only market fit for my product, but also where does it fit into my end user stack? How does it play well with other systems they have, right? So it really depends on the uh, use case you have. Sometimes it makes sense to have uh, this one platform strategy, and sometimes the more in the integrated system strategy makes makes sense. So in in our case, it makes sense to have one platform strategy where a single solution you have single user interface, uh, same way to do different things. So the user does not have to spend time thinking about doing the right thing. They just doing it because every almost everywhere it's the same thing. And uh, in your case, Nikolai, it would be different because you have a different kind of user group. Yeah, and as as a as an internal product uh, platform team, you also want to ensure that there's some foundational stuff that's that's always part of the product. For example, some policies and some governance. Uh, um, optimizing for cost and, and things like that. Things that are important to your company as well should be part of the foundational product that you're selling. Yeah, and I think plenty of information discussed there, perhaps different perspectives as well, and the way there's commonalities between whether it's internal and external. At this stage, what I'd like to do is round off and open it up to the floor if anyone has any final questions or anything else you'd like to post to the panel. Um, I actually had a, a, an extra question. Um, so, so when do you think is the right time for an organization to implement a platform strategy? So um, <clears throat> I can uh, take that first. Um, I think um, in, in the current times, technology changes rapidly, right? And, and if platform strategy done right, um, it can really help you adapt to those changes effectively. And it gives you the flexibility to integrate new technologies quickly into your platform. And um, the second most important thing is, I think, is if your competitors are doing it, uh, then you should do it as well. Yeah, I would say it, um, it also depends on the size of the organization, right? If you have the size where you can actually sit together, group of people in the same room, uh, you actually have your platform there, right? Uh, but when when you grow and uh, you become bigger, you have uh, many different departments building a lot of different things. You need a, a strategy for this, right? You don't necessarily need a platform, but you need a platform strategy mm -hmm. for everybody to actually acknowledge the fact that, all right, this is how we do it. This is how you, it might even be just a guide, right? How do I spin up new Kubernetes clusters and where should I place them, right? How do I do this? How do I do that, right? You guys make it easy for them to do it, but uh, it might as well just be a handhelding guide on uh, for people to actually understand how to do this to, to save time and to save money, right? So I would say there's a lot of factors that actually comes into this, but uh, one of the factors will be size of the organization and how yeah. divided 
uh, the uh, different teams are. Yeah, I, exactly. I agree. Nice. Insights there as well. That was going to be my question. So for smaller organisations, perhaps less technically mature, how can they start to plan towards our future where they will need a platform? But I think you mentioned a guide there. But Jimmy, I'm interested to hear your take as well. Yeah, so so I, I agree that that size of company uh, and, and maybe also age of company uh, might be relevant factors. So so um, larger companies might have a bigger incentive, as I see it, to actually implement a platform strategy because if that company is, is uh, has been in the market a long time enough, there's a good chance that they will have built different levels of automation, uh, different ways of, of, of uh, provisioning infrastructure. Um, so I also see it as the automation maturity of the company. So the way you provision infrastructure today, is that by hand, by click-ups, or are you somewhere on that journey where you're actually doing mostly automated provisioning or maybe partly automated provisioning? So if you are on the ad hoc where you need to request somebody to provision something or you're doing it yourself in a console by by clicking. Uh, I think you should solve that problem before you start thinking about a platform. So solve automation before you start thinking about creating a, a platform strategy. So that's that's a, that's my take on it. And I think the the one, uh, the documentation thing that uh, the handholding thing that Nick, what Nikolai mentioned, uh, that's the, the very first thing that that you do in, in in the scenarios where you start, and then that can turn out to be something that you implement on your platform later on when you see that adoption around this is large and uh, uh, teams are doing or using your your document by and and creating producing infrastructure, creating something using that document. Then we go ahead and implement that into a real feature into your platform and and sometimes i also think about why why companies are moving towards platforms you, you mentioned uh, that that if your competitors are doing you should you should be doing it as well but i'm i'm thinking more about why are my competitors doing it um so 10 plus years ago uh, the devops revolution was 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 a thing uh, everybody started looking into automation um started being good at automating uh, a, a a, a big uh, bunch of, of automation tools spawned um, and we were using different tools to, to provision stuff uh, maybe within the same company. Um, and if, again, uh, drawing back to the CNCF landscape, that that spawned basically because of, of the way we worked on uh, about DevOps. But one, one interpretation of, of DevOps was also that, that the engineering teams that are building products uh, should have autonomy and they should have optimized for speed. And one way of doing that is provisioning stuff themselves. So we we, we got a lot of, of DevOpsy types teams um, that were building tools, uh, building automation, and became experts in, in 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 infrastructure in various degrees in different engineering teams. And over time, I think that has become a, a a blocker for velocity because now there's so many teams this infrastructure has become so complex that it's taking up a lot of time in product teams so i think that's one of the reasons why companies are are going back towards centralizing some of this because if you think about it centralizing infrastructure is not a new thing uh, it's actually the norm we're just going back to it but we are going back to it in a different way, I think, because before, when I think about it, when I had to, I, I if I w- was in the product team and I needed a database, I needed to talk to our database team and ask them f- to provision a database for me. And I'll wait for them to pick up my ticket, do the job, maybe some some triaging on, on questioning before I had a database that could be weeks or months. So one really big important thing I think is different from these days is that the mentality of a platform is self-service, uh, avoid being a bottleneck um, and and basically keeping the autonomy in product teams while also centralizing some of the infrastructure. Yeah, you, you put it correctly. And I also read it somewhere that the a, a platform is 
something that provides self-service capabilities towards your end users. And that's exactly what I think you are also doing and we are doing. Uh, we are providing self-service capabilities, not to be the bottlenecks, but giving the the power to our users to do it themselves and do it the right way, use the right way to do it. Perfect. Some more great insights there. And finally, I'll put the question back out. Is there anything anybody else would like to add? In which case, I'd just like to thank all three of you for some great participation today. Some really nice insights, a lot of commonalities drew from, I suppose, cross areas, cross industries, and the way in which building a platform is applicable to multiple different areas of a business and multiple different customers. So yeah, I'd like to thank all three of you here today. And if you tune in and like to join us on an episode, please feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or drop me a message via email at connor.leyland at evolution-nordics.com. Thank you for listening.